Welcome to season three of A New Conversation with Hani and Peretz. In this season, we will be sharing conversations that we are having with guests who have intriguing and telling stories. Following each conversation, Peretz and I will be having a discussion reflecting on it. We hope you enjoy this first conversation. I am sitting here in a cozy classroom at Yeshivat Haaretzion, near a window overlooking the hills of Jerusalem. And across from me is sitting Andrew Jacobson. Andrew graduated Brandeis at the end of last uh, school year. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Rabbi. Taking the time and and sitting across from me. Um, What led you to come right after college and instead of going to grad school or doing something else to further your career, you came to Yeshiva. First of all, thank you so much for, for, for joining me here in the Yeshiva. It's, it's such a pleasure to see you and uh, have you here. Um, you know, being, being with you gives me uh, a, little, a little bit of a taste of, um, of what it was like to come to Chabad every Friday night um, throughout all four years uh, of my college experience. So, so it's really great to see you. So the question of what brought me um, to Yeshiva uh, is one that takes me back a little bit um, to even before college. I, I was raised in a, in a very Zionist um, family, one that was conservative, more or less traditional. Um, we, for example, had Shabbat dinner Friday night, followed by a movie. Um, we would sometimes go to show on Shabbat, followed by an afternoon in the city, something to that effect. It was really in college when I first became aware of the richness of the textual tradition that uh, Judaism is. Um, I'd never really heard of what the Talmud was before. I'd never really heard of, of what the Gemara was. I'd never really known that the backbone to this whole great people, to this whole great tradition that you know, I've always been a part of, I never knew that the backbone was really in the text. What brought me to Yeshiva? Um, was my wanting to invest a year in my uh, learning how to learn, really in, 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 in gaining the skills to be able to access these texts um, for the rest of my life and to be that role model for my kids and for my, and for my grandkids and for my community. Um, I, you know, I, find it, I find it a real privilege that I was born um, as a Jew and you know, with privileges come responsibilities. So the fact that I had the opportunity right after college before being married, before uh, having to provide for anybody else besides myself, it it was a real privilege to be able to take this year and dedicate it really exclusively um, to to gaining wisdom and to becoming closer to Hashem. And I I really truly believe that this year will pay incredible dividends um, down the road in the the knowledge that I'll have, the ability to learn and the ability that I'll be able to uh, teach to, you know, people in my life. Another huge reason I came to this particular yeshiva versus others was because of its reputation for questioning and being skeptical. I didn't want to be in a place where I felt I was going to be brainwashed or where I was going to be, where, where, where questions were going to be discouraged. I didn't want to be taught in a black and white fashion. Every school will, will, will claim that questions are welcomed. That might be true. And yet at the same time, different yeshivas have different approaches to the value of 
secular knowledge, right? I knew this was going to be a place that valued knowledge. I, I won't say outside of Torah, but knowledge not directly related to uh, Torah. And having been uh, to college and studied philosophy and studied creative writing and studied finance and studied business and studied all sorts of different subjects, uh, I wanted to be in a place where I could bring that knowledge to my studies mm -hmm. and not just leave them by the wayside and transfer to a whole different topic. Do you feel like in, in another yeshiva, which is, unlike this yeshiva, which is not dedicated for Bali Chuva, for returnees, this is a, a regular, you know, has their uh, regular yeshiva, um, Bali Chuva yeshiva, you feel wouldn't provide that for you? It's my understanding that a Balchuva yeshiva, you know, while it has incredible value for certain kinds of people, mm -hmm. wouldn't have been right for me. I wanted to be in a place where there were people in the Beit Midrash that I could look to, you know, as role models. I could look at this person and say, wow, that's amazing that he has all these traits, he has all these, he, he has all this wisdom. He, he has this kind of lifestyle that I look to and that I want to uh, aspire to and that I that mm -hmm. I'm learn every day um, to reach. I deeply value my involvement in the secular world. I deeply value the movies that I watch and the music that I listen to, and I don't think that being here in Torah learning is a contradiction to that. It's my understanding that being in a, being in a more Haredi uh, institution would have led me further away from my upbringing, which is not something I want to do. You're very conscious of that. I'm very conscious of that. I'm very conscious of not rejecting where, where I've come from, but rather embracing it and um, moving forward. And I'll tell you, like I'm one of very few people in this entire yeshiva who went to public high school. I think I know of one other person here. I'll just add one more thing. Yeah. And the community that it will enable me to be a part of after I finish, that's a huge part of it, right? I'm not only here for this year. I'm here to form myself into a certain person, right? I don't not change myself, mm -hmm. but to continue the journey that I'm on. When did you have the earliest thoughts of making this big move? I'll say I started thinking about it sophomore, junior year. Um, senior year, I ended up minoring in business. And for a while, I was really dedicated to applying to jobs, whether it was in finance or consulting. And at the end of the day, um, I decided that the working world can wait and that it will be there a year out. Long story short, I want to take some time to do something meaningful before more mm -hmm. or less selling my soul into um, <laughs> <laughs> bureaucracy. So you were exposed, you said, like in your sophomore year in, in college, you were exposed to this, to this beauty and this complexity and this depth of, of Judaism of Torah. And, and when you come to that exposure, you could respond in one of two ways. A person could respond and saying, this is not for me. I don't want anything to do with this. This is just so much, so overwhelming. And revert back to what you called the slogans or the simple. But you instead decided to propel forward, to push into it, to embrace it. Instead of reverting back to your comfort zone of the slogans that you're familiar with and you're proud of and that you enjoy, you push yourself into the place of discomfort, a place of where you are in a certain sense, you know, you're just starting out. You're just a kid. You're not the, you know, 22, 23 year old college graduate. You're almost like, you know, the new kid on the block. And you went into, leaned into that discomfort. Right. Why? Right. I mean, the first thing, first and foremost, is that growth happens outside the comfort zone. 
and I want to be with people who've grown up in this community because they tend to have more knowledge and I want to be with people who know more than I do. I want, I want to be with people who are more intentional than I am, who have better, um, who have better character traits than I do. I, I always want, want to be people who are higher than me. I didn't make this move unconditionally. I think it's a very important point, meaning you have to separate Jews from Judaism, mm-hmm. right? There sure. are certainly parts of religious Judaism that I would do without. Certain communities have, ra- have tendencies towards racism, for example. I've seen a little bit of that here. It's something that I'm not going to do with. But I, at, at a certain point, I realized that uh, if I wanted to live a life, you know, of Torah and uh, of, uh, of, of Judaism and successfully pass it on, then I needed to stop being hypocrite and know it myself. So mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. Also, it's very important to realize that people are people. I think when we're not involved in something, we, we, we tend to romanticize or glorify or just kind of scare ourselves into being intimidated, mm-hmm. right? Like you hear gush, you're like, oh, like, wow, it's just it's the pillar of all yeshivas. Everyone here is brilliant. Everyone here is so stringent in how they keep Torah and halacha. And, you know, a lot of people are. But it's a very important life lesson, I think, to know that people are people and that no one's perfect and everyone makes mistakes and everyone has problems. It's obvious, but until you start developing real deep friendships, mm-hmm. you don't fully realize that. Because only when you start to develop real f- deep friendships, your friends start telling you all the problems that they have, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and you kind of laugh to yourself on the inside and say, wow, I have a lot of those too. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's that humility that's given way to a certain confidence that I could not be here without. Mm. For people who are starting college now, who doesn't have your perspective of seeing things in the long term, in that sense, you're unique. I don't find much of that. Um, at, but at students, they want great experiences. They want fun experiences. They want to know why be Jewish, but in the Google form. You know, why observe Shabbat in the Google form, but not to invest in it, not to marinate in it. So there are two short anecdotes that I want to share. Um, the first is there was one day sophomore year, I was in a philosophy class on Immanuel Kant, the German philosopher. And it was a very esoteric lecture very, very out there. We were talking about the meaning of, of morality and metaphysics and epistemology, and it was very out there. And at the beginning of the lecture, I'll never forget this, by Professor Kate Moran, she prefaced the whole thing with the following statement. This is going to be very complicated. I just want you to take what you can, take what you want, and leave behind what you don't. And in a sense, that was very liberating because it didn't mean that I had to break my teeth over trying to understand these very complicated topics. What I mean by that is that it's not that you shouldn't try to understand things that you can't initially understand, but that there's so much out there in Judaism and, and beyond that focus on what you like, focus on what you're interested in, right? Instead of just walking away. Instead of just walking away, right? Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, mm-hmm. so to speak. So the second anecdote is um, when I went on the Tamid Fellowship. Tamid is a business-oriented Israel-type club on campus. 
And I went on the Tamid Fellowship after my freshman year at Brandeis to Tel Aviv to intern at a sort of startup company, startup incubator type place in a small yeshuv, a small village about 20 minutes north of Tel Aviv. And on the first day of this internship, it's a, it's a house with, you know, in a suburban neighborhood with mango trees in the backyard. So on the first day of this internship, me and the other two interns, we were told to go to the backyard and pick up little rocks, okay? And we were given markers, as if this was a kindergarten coloring activity, and told to write our names and color and design how, uh, the rocks however we found fit. We were then told to uh, walk back around to the front of the house go to the front door and open this little box at uh, the bottom of the door that said the ego box, ego, E-G-O. And we were told to literally leave our ego at the door before we walked in. Trying to rid myself of my ego, which is impossible, right? But, but trying nonetheless um, has, I think, opened up my mind to learning so much more and to being in these environments where I know much less than the average person, right? When I see my lack of knowledge not as a result of my lack of self-worth, but rather a lack of experience that I've had, you know, through no fault of my own, then I'm much more open towards hearing new and different ideas. There's another word for that. Humility. 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 But humility and the way you're describing it comes from a point of strength and self-confidence. You have the self-confidence to know that your shortcomings, whatever they may be, are not a, a description of your self-worth. And therefore, you're sufficiently confident to lean in and to grow. Yeah, um, I would agree uh, entirely. Did you have any questions for me? I'm curious, Rabbi, if you, you know, you've been at Brandeis now 18 years. Chai, mm -hmm. congratulations, Mazal Tov. Thank you. What are one or two of the most important or significant trends that you've seen among students at Brandeis throughout your tenure there, um, for better or for worse? And, um, you know, if it's for worse, then how do you, if you can maybe offer some advice, I mean, you're, you're constantly seeing cycles of students, people coming in, people coming out, and you're seeing the ones that grow, and you're seeing the ones that don't grow. So maybe you could say a thing or two about, the, you know, the ones who do grow, the ones who do come out successful, what do they have in common? So what our 18 years of experience provides us is more than seeing cycles of students coming over the course of these 18 years, is seeing students how they are 10 or 15 years down the line as they are as, a, you know, as spouses, as parents, as professionals. So we have that insight, which is, I consider, far more significant, far more valuable. So one of the trends that we're observing, and I've commented about it, and I've written about it as well, is that information is so easily and readily available. You want to know why observe Shabbat? Google it. You want to know why be Jewish? Google it. And there stops the connection with exploration. The desire need to invest in knowledge and learning is being lost, is, de is decreasing. Um, also, the willingness to sacrifice for something 
has been decreasing because sacrifice means a certain void and we're constantly being stimulated. We don't know, we have difficulty being in a moment of silence, in a moment of pause, because we have a, a computer in our hand that gives us access to everybody we want or any entertainment that we want. So being alone and being in silence and being in a state of avoidness is constantly being avoided. And it's within those moments of voidness, those moments of sacrifice, those moments of, of stepping back that a lot of growth occurs, significant growth, growth occurs. And that space of voidness shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to the point that it almost doesn't exist. The repercussions of that in the long term are pretty significant. That's why I'm sitting here across from you and speaking to you because you're very interesting. You're fascinating in that you've, you are here because you've created spaces of void and, and, and sacrifice and emptiness and you've pushed yourself into it. And that's why you're at this, at this place over here. And what we're trying to do at Chabad is we're trying you know, almost like to pry it open, really push and create that space, create that ability for students to first of all acknowledge the value of giving, of sacrifice, of personal investment for nothing in return, just for yourself. And with great difficulty, we're sort of going against this, going against this, the trend, going against the, 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 the telem, the stream, as they call it here in Israel, so that there could be more people like you. Now you. The reason this has happened is because you've been gifted with it. It's just who you were from, like you said, you know, from high school. But everyone needs to acquire it, can acquire it. And we, we in Chabad, Khan and I, are really pushing to make that happen. I agree completely in that I think one of the reasons that I've been able to isolate the signal from the noise was because I don't sleep with my phone at night, right? Me <laughs> metaphorically and literally. Yeah. I, I, I plug it in at my desk, somewhere that I cannot access when I'm asleep. Mm -hmm. Which is to say, another, I guess, piece of advice I have for, for, for everyone, but particularly people who are just beginning their college experience, isolate the signal from the noise, which is to say, stop distracting yourself. Stop trying to escape, right? If people generally escaped with alcohol and drugs before the last 20 years, the iPhone has become the predominant form of escape since then. Mm -hmm. And it's a mind altering substance. It's a mind altering substance that prevents you from being connected to your own thoughts, which mm -hmm. is a very scary thing. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, one of my favorite poets, Rainer Marie Rilke, he has a little slim book called Letters to a Young Poet. It's one of the two non-Jewish books that I brought to Yeshiva. It's that, it's that important to me. And he talks about, he's, he's writing these letters to a young poet who's having trouble finding inspiration. Mm -hmm. And he says that your inability to write poems right now is not about the boring nature of your surroundings. It's purely a result of your lack of observation. He says, even if you were in a jail cell, you should be able to write forever based off the memories that you've had from childhood, the relationships, the friendships, the places you've been, it's all right here. You just have to lean in and listen. 
not only is it all right there, I just want to add to that beautiful point you just shared, but everything outside is what has come to be known as fake news. It's not even real. In other words, it's not real insofar as your experience, as, as far as yours concerned. They're real for whoever is experiencing it. But for you, it, it's not, and in, in, it's almost, it, it, in a certain sense, it's, it blinds you to what is real, and that's what, what you're experiencing. In a certain sense, you know, when you have a bright light coming from the outside, it blinds you to everything seems, in a certain sense, dark, and that's, that's, that's what's going on. In a certain sense, coming here to yeshiva, let's just bring a full circle, being in yeshiva is a place where you're just focused on listening, learning to yourself, and being in the presence of people who are doing it themselves as well to themselves. And that's what's inspiring and motivating. And nobody is lecturing to you. Everyone is lecturing to themselves. But their lecturing to themselves is what inspires you to lecture and listen to yourself. And you may overhear their conversation with themselves, but the conversation that you're hearing with themselves is a conversation that is not, is, is, is not instructing you or even informing you what they have to say, it's informing you what you have to hear within yourself. And with that, you're just going gonna to blossom here over the next year. And whether it's writing or making art or hanging out with friends, I think everyone needs to have an outlet to express that inner voice. Yeah. Whether it's stand-up comedy, whether it's an acapella group, really find that place where you feel like you can really be an authentic, sincere person. But it begins with listening to yourself. First, got to create that quiet space. And, 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 and in today's day and age, you've got to be conscious. You have to consciously create that. Cannot, cannot agree more. more. So well said. Thank you. Andrew, this was a delight. Just one more thing. I promised that Rabbi Chayn did not pay me to say this. <laughs> um, some of the most valuable nights I ever had were at Chabad and, and, and being in Chabad Club. Uh, so seriously take advantage the time goes by really 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 fast really fast so soak up every second and um spend as much time as you can with uh with with paris and khani and all and 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 all the kids that are still left at home <laughs> thank you andrew <laughs> and we look forward to your visiting when you come back to boston thanks so much Robert. thank you for listening please take a moment to rate and review a new conversation with khani and paris on your favorite listening app